On today's episode of The Investing Revolution, we're going to look at expectations on year one, two, and three of your rental investment. This is The Investing Revolution, a podcast designed to help your real estate investment strategy. On this podcast, we'll teach you the actionable steps to take and pitfalls to avoid so that your real estate investing can thrive. Welcome to The Investing Revolution. I am your host, Jonathan Cook. Today, we're going to talk about what to expect in your first year of your real estate investment. Um, the first thing that that I want to talk about here is, is talking about how to plan for that first year of, of this rental investment that you've you've purchased if you've listened to our previous episodes you've you've heard about how to plan for your 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 uh your strategy you've got a plan in place you've got the team in place you have a property manager in mind you found the property you went out you've, you've studied the markets you've found what you're looking for whether that's a cash flow property whether it's something that you're you're looking to build equity in for a number of years. Uh, regardless, you've gotten to the point where now you have your rental investment. So, what what do you expect? How how is that how is that going to work out for you? Um, and and I think a lot of investors are looking for um, you know some some guidance here. What what should they expect? How do you know if your investment is is was a good one or not? Um, when do I start making money from this? What how much money should I expect in that first year? Uh, am, am I instantly rich now that I own property? Now that I have equity? Now that I I have this investment? Um, am I rich yet? You know, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> and, and so today, what I want to walk through that process. What should you be expecting? Um, how much cash flow should you be getting? When when am I able to you know take that refinance that cash out? How how much money am I making and in, and in what period of time? So um, I want to walk through that. When when you purchase a rental investment after you've gone through that process, the first step that you're going to run into um, is making sure that it's truly rent ready. Um, now. I say rent ready and and not everybody always understands exactly what I mean. Um, we we have clients that call us every day for for us to take over their property, get it, you know, find a tenant, place them in there. And you know, that's that first step when I'm walking these new clients through this process is is making sure that it's truly rent ready. Um, the rent ready process if you're buying a distressed property you should be handling that after you've bought the distressed property you've you've gone through you've painted you've put new flooring in there you've redesigned the kitchen whatever you've done to it um, you've done all the the hard capital expenses you've gotten every all of your work has been done um, now is it necessarily rent ready it's got a fresh coat of paint it's got new floors in it new countertops new cabinets is is that rent ready um, not necessarily. So before you put a tenant in a property, let's think about what is a tenant expecting when they move in? Um, they want it to be clean. Uh, cleanliness is a big deal. Like make sure you've swept up all the, all the dust. There's no more, uh, 
sheetrock dust anywhere. You know, you've cleaned everything up. There's no more splotches of paint. But it's more than just that. Um, blinds, uh, some sort of window covering. Most tenants are going to expect some sort of window covering. And if you're not going to provide those for them, um, your tenants are probably going to expect that they are allowed to put window treatments up on their own. Uh, curtains are one thing, but blinds are a whole different scenario and, uh, you know, to walk through. So I always suggest our clients to go ahead and put up blinds. Blinds are much nicer. They last a lot longer when, when installed by a professional, as opposed to your tenant, nobody just wants open windows that anybody can walk past and see into. So the blinds are a big deal. Um, you don't have to put in, you know, the two-inch faux wood blinds that are really nice. You don't have to put in shutters. Um, sometimes you can just use the vinyl one-inch, and that, that's perfectly fine. But go ahead and have those installed by a professional. If you're a general contractor and you're doing the work yourself, go ahead and do it. You, it's much better for you to do it than for the tenant to provide those themselves. Because when they're done with their lease, if they've installed their own blinds, you know, that they can remove them. They can cause more damage. They've, they're not professional blind installers in the most in most cases. So you know it's it's going to have some some issues there where you're going to have to touch that up unless you go ahead and provide them and make those readily available to tenants. That's just the first step in making sure it's you know truly rent ready. Appliances, um, I, I suggest to install at least some level of appliances. Uh, a lot of tenants travel with a washer and a dryer and, and I've done some previous podcasts, not, not on our podcast, but, uh, in, in my previous podcast that I've done with, with, uh, the people at, uh, rentals.com, uh, Nishant Fadness, he's a great guy. He was talking about renters nowadays are looking more for appliances being provided for them, whether that is just a refrigerator and an oven and a stove and a range. Um, some of them are looking for washer and dryers. And so depending on your market, you might have a different level of what appliances you need to provide for tenants. But for the most part, tenants don't frequently travel with their own refrigerator and their own oven and their own dishwasher. So those are the types of appliances that I truly do suggest go ahead and installing before you start trying to find a tenant because they they know when they walk into a rental property and they see the blinds have been installed, there is a washing or there is a, a dishwasher, there is an oven, there is a refrigerator. They can move in. Rent ready means that someone is able to sign a lease and move in that day and uh, you know hang their clothes up in 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 the closet. That's rent ready. Um, so so getting through that process can can take a, a little bit of extra effort after all of the 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 renovations have been completed. Now we go ahead and finish it out. Now, now your property is rent ready and that's going to have some expenses. It's not going to be as much as replacing all the flooring or painting the full property, but it's, um, it's the, it's the finishing touches that makes it completely rent ready. Um, and, and once that's done now, now you have a rent ready property. So what, what should your expectations be? If you're using a professional property manager, uh, this is when you're going to go through those that marketing period. And not all property managers charge the same way, but several property managers, professional property managers, this is where you're going to see your first big expense from, from management fees is going to be a leasing fee. Um, if you're renting a property for $1,500 a month, when you place a tenant in that property, you're not going to get 
all 1500 of those dollars. Of course you're not. Um, that's when you're usually going to see the biggest fee taken out is that very first month. That's what property managers use to pay their employees that have leased the property out. They'll pay a commission to their team. They'll pay a commission to another or a referral fee to another agent that maybe has shown the property. But those are going to be their, their big, biggest fr- upfront fees. And that can be anywhere from you know, the full first month to, you know, half a month's rent. It kind of depends on what your property manager um, charges. So when you're looking at monthly cash flow in what you should should be expecting, that very first month often is is a complete loss, which is okay. Um, it, it's fine to have a, a little bit of loss in that first month. You should be planning for that when you're making your strategy for this rental investment, uh, you also should plan out uh, an amount for your annual taxes, your annual maintenance, annualized insurance, and depending on how you're paying those, um, you can calculate that amount out of your annualized returns and just break it down into a monthly basis. Anything that that is between the leasing fee, the rent amount, your mortgage, however you're doing that. Go ahead and separate all of those items out, what all your expenses are. Separate everything out to really break it down to, this is what I'm making from month one. Because month two is going to be different. Month two, you're not going to have a leasing fee. So you're breaking things down differently. So in that first year, month one, you should have expectations of either a loss or very very low cash flow. It doesn't even matter which strategy you're looking at. Even if you're looking at a high cash flow strategy on the, the rental property, month one is going to kind of be a wash. That's also the, the, the first part in which you're going to take vacancy into account. So your vacancy cost is typically whatever a month's worth of rent should be uh, divided by 30, or that's that's how many days are in a month. So if it takes 30 days to lease your property, okay, well, then you've had 30 days of missed rent, and then that's that's one full month's rent. Now, if it's 15 days worth of vacancy, well, that's half a month's rent. So go ahead and calculate all of those numbers out um, in your expectations. All right, so even though you're not seeing a loss in dollars, even though you're not shelling out one month of rent, you've lost it in opportunity cost. So those numbers should be calculated throughout that full year one anyways. Um, Now, most tenants are going to stay between three and five years. So your vacancy gets calculated in year one. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about year one expectations. Um, So go ahead and calculate however many days vacant it has been, uh, your your property manager and your market should have some form of calculation for average days on market. This is how long it's going to be once we start marketing the property. But you need to add vacancy in for every month from the moment that you've purchased that property through the first day that you have a tenant in that property. So if it takes you know three months to do renovations on that property and you have three months worth of vacancy, you got to calculate all that in in year one. Uh, month two, you're going to just get a regular rent payment minus your monthly management fees, but you still should calculate out um, a monthly amount of maintenance, even if you don't see 
any maintenance uh, invoices in, in month two or month three or month four. Uh, I typically like to calculate out about $500 a year for maintenance. Um, that's that's what our our annualized averages tend to be on, uh, you know, a roughly $1,500 a month property in our specific market. Your market might be different. Your market can, you know, maybe it's $1,000 a year in maintenance that you normally see. And it, those numbers vary depending on how old your property is, um, how much life you have left in those systems. If you run into uh, a an HVAC issue in year one, HVACs can cost, you know, six or $7,000 to replace a full system. If you've got to take that out in, in maintenance costs year one, well, then it's way more than 500 bucks. Um, but then again... When you're planning out your investment strategy, those kinds of things need to be part of that um, analysis, part of that spreadsheet, part of those expectations that you start the process with. Uh, It's I can't tell you how many people um, that that I've worked with over the years that have bought a property that wasn't fully rent ready when they bought it, and yes, the investment will be great in time, but after the first year. They, they want to talk to me about, well, I've just lost all this money in year one. I, you know, I, I ran into a, a, I needed a brand new roof and somehow that's the property manager's fault, but it's, it's not, it's, that's part of regular maintenance. That is something to be anticipated. HVACs, water heaters, plumbing, those kinds of issues, you know, you're going to run into them eventually. So when you plan properly and you have the right expectations, none of these things sneak up on you and, and make you feel upset about your investment. Because that typically tends to be um, where I see a lot of investors make mistakes, is they had higher expectations for the investment than what could be actualized. And then because the nature of real estate investment is long-term, even in the short-term ideals, they're long-term. Even if you're looking for a burr strategy that you're going to refinance out in a year in year one. I mean, there's still a time and a process and you're not making money immediately. It's going to take some time. So even in best case scenarios, you've got to plan all this out to have real expectations um, so that at the end of the year, when you're only making, you know, truly net 50 or $60 per month in cash flow, And that doesn't seem like a whole lot at the very end of the year when you've got, Oh, I'm, positive cash flow, you know, 723 bucks. Sometimes that can feel like a major failure in your investment, but it's not. There there are a lot of things to calculate out through those years to to still end up with your 9% cap rates or your 12% cap rates or whatever the cap rate you're targeted for. You really need to understand what those numbers mean and when you're going to receive those returns. Um, I like to plan for my investment clients, a three-year pro forma. And I calculate a three-year cash on cash return for them, which, and and I always do a three-year instead of a one-year because year one is where you're going to see the most expenses. Year one is when you're going to take out vacancy. Year one is when you're going to have a leasing fee, and that's going to be more expensive. Year one is where you're going to run into how much life do I have left on these systems that maybe I didn't touch in my renovation. Year one is where you're going to run into all those things, and you're going to find out, did I place a good tenant or not? 
you can typically know if the tenant is going to be really good or not in year one. That's why we calculate and uh, we, we analyze how well our tenants perform year after year because we want to be able to take all the data that we're going to receive and and make an analysis of it. And you should be constantly analyzing your properties, even if you're at a loss. Sometimes that's okay. Um, and you don't ever fully see how your investment uh you know, shakes out until after a couple of years anyways. Um, you, you know, you've got to pay your taxes in there. Eventually, you're going to have appreciation. And when do you calculate that out? If you're looking for a refinance, sometimes you can cut refinance out in year one. Um, I've had clients that, that did a cash out refinance after eight months, um, which is, you know, not the norm, but it, but it happens. Um, so when you're making your expectations, when you're planning for, I need to know what I'm actually getting into. When I when I sign uh, all these closing forms, once I've purchased this property, what what am I getting myself into? Your year one is going to be the rough year. Year one is going to be the year that you pay out all of the fees. Year one is going to be where you hit, take all of your losses. So let's walk through a few of those. Um, we've already discussed vacancy and a leasing fee, and and why do we calculate those out in year one but not year two and three? If you're Typical tenant is staying three to five years. Um, after that first year, when they've gone all the way through, we don't need a new leasing fee. We're not remarketing the property. You're not running into a turn, um, which I know I've discussed turn costs before, but just as quick clarification, the turn process is when a tenant moves out and you have to make the property rent ready again. So even in the best case scenarios, when you have a 10 out of 10 tenant and they move out, you've got to at least clean the property. You're probably going to do some touch up painting, you know, touch, you know, paint a wall from corner to corner in this room, maybe fix, clean the carpet here, whatever it might be. That is a turn cost and you would experience another vacancy again and another leasing fee again. So those are all calculated in a turn cost. The reason that I do a three-year pro forma and a three-year cash-on-cash return is because most tenants are going to stay three to five years. So what do you? What does that look like? Um, after that first year, when you're hitting all the leasing fees and all that turn costs and all that rent-ready costs, uh, year two, when that tenant tenant finishes out their first-year lease, and we've calculated, hey, they're a you know nine point three out of ten tenant. We're going to keep them for the next year. We're going to do a renewal. Renewal fees. Um, now we charge a renewal fee. Several property managers charge a renewal fee, but clearly, I mean. Not everybody does, um, and those vary. You went from flat fees to percentages. They are, in every scenario that I've run into, they're lower than a leasing fee because there's less work to be done on a renewal than on releasing the property, of course. So your costs are going to drop down from year one to year two. Um, I recently did a three-year cash-on-cash return uh, analysis for a client of ours that was buying a property in Griffin, um, it's a really nice cash flow market. And I was explaining to him, yeah, year one, you're you're going to lose $256. Or that's what we're planning for. And he's like, Jonathan, I thought this was a cash flow property. Of course it is. Year two, you cash flow $2,100. Year three, you cash flow $2,600. Because rent's going to go up a little bit. You have the same tenant in the property. Maintenance is going to be done differently. You're going to miss a few fees. The vacancy time period is not in there. And so... The cash flow goes up. And in that same time period, when the cash flow is climbing up, you also should be adding in 
that appreciation difference. How much more equity are you getting in that property? So after three years, you've got three years worth of equity built in. And you've made, in that case, you know, almost $5,000 in cash flow, which again, that doesn't sound like a ton. $5,000 in cash flow on, on three years doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a net cash flow. That's not how much we are sending in a check to you every single month, because that that's where I think a lot of people get mixed up. We send someone a check for whatever the difference is, and it's up to our investors to plan that investment, save you know, in, in some cases, $117.56 per month for maintenance. Save $71.24 for taxes. Save $253 for whatever fee might be coming up or whatever plan that we have going on. If we know, for instance, we have a 13-year-old HVAC system, they're typically only going to last about 15 years tops. You know you're going to run into that $6,000, $7,000 expense in the next two years you might want to go ahead and set a reserve fund or a reserve plan for that uh, capital expenses that are going to go out. And now you're going to see some of that back on your your tax returns if you have a good CPA and you walk them through with your uh, invoices and say, well, this was my investment this year, but I also had to put in this many dollars for uh, capital expenses. I want to do a 15-year depreciation schedule. Like, th- And, and I'm, I'm not a tax representative, so, um, you know, Take these words with some grains of salt, but take it to your CPA and you can receive some of that money returned back to you in uh, tax incentives. So what does that year one look like versus your year two? Um, I have seen differences in thousands of dollars in cash flow Um, in 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 properties where cash flow is not the main strategy. um, That first year is where you're going to see a lot of appreciation if you have done uh, the rent ready process, or if you've gone from distressed to non-distressed property, that's when you'll see a major amount of appreciation because you're forcing appreciation into that property. If it went from, you know, an unlivable home where the the roof wasn't even fully intact and it didn't have an HVAC system and you, you've poured a hundred thousand dollars into the renovations in this property. Yeah. You're going to see some big appreciation. You're going to see some forced appreciation in that property. Um, but is that going to be one-to-one or what is it going to look like? That, that's going to vary depending on the property and the market and a few things, but that's when you can see a big jump. Whereas in year two and year three, you're not appreciating the same percentage from day one to day 365. Um, so all in all, throughout this the, the real estate investment process, um, when do you see your money? When do you see the returns? Um, always and never is, is, is a fun is a fun way to answer that. And that's not necessarily um, exactly true because uh, you, you can cash out at any time. That's that's the great thing about real estate investment is it it's a hard asset. There is a house there that you could always sell. Uh, I I typically will tell most of my investors to never sell for almost any reason, unless you are in an emergency and you have to sell because you can't afford it anymore. Um, doesn't matter what the market does. You almost should never sell. It uh, doesn't matter how much appreciation you get in one year to the next. Hang on to the property and let it continue to build new equity you can always leverage that equity to to buy more properties. Always allow that cash flow to mature um, to the point where it's paying down the mortgage. So that's that five thousand dollars in cash flow that we're talking about here after three years or whatever it might be. 
it's it's a net cash flow. It's real actual income that you just stick in your pocket. But also <clears throat> at the same time, you're paying down your mortgage, you're paying down your your debt service. So that's that's getting lower and and you are as much as you're building equity on the on the appreciation side, you're also paying down how much you owe on it on the other side. So that that gap continues to grow. So the longer you own the investment, the more years worth of cash flow that you get, um, the the bigger the gap between what you owe and what you have left, the total amount of equity continues to grow. So what should you expect in year one? What is that going to look like? It's going to look like progress. It's, it should look like progress, but it's not going to get you rich quick. It, it shouldn't be looked at. For rental investments, you shouldn't be looking at get-rich-quick ideals. That's what a flip is for. Um, and we can discuss flip expectations later. Um, it's not my favorite subject. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of doing flips. It seems to me to be a very short-sighted real estate investment strategy, whereas rentals, you get many of the same benefits as a flip just over a much longer period of time. So, uh I really hope that that today, um, all of my listeners have have you know been able to to think about all of the moving parts that are going to go into year one, what that's going to look like, so that they can set their expectations in the right category after year one. Because even if you're buying a cash flow property, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're really making cash flow. Because cash flow isn't just how much money I, I send you a check for every month. You've got to calculate out those differences. And even if you haven't seen a maintenance issue today, doesn't mean that you won't see one tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And so planning out that annualized maintenance cost is a good is a good idea. It's a good place to to set that money aside so that when you do run into the inevitable <clears throat> maintenance expense, you've already got a reserve set aside for it. You've been planning for it since day one and your expectations aren't thrown out the window at that point. Um, but, but I hope everyone has learned a little bit of something today. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, come visit us again uh, in a few weeks when we uh, have our next episode. Um, thank you all so much. Have a fantastic day.